we continue our meditation on the first two verses of chapter 2 in our Bible lessons from the first epistle of John. There we have read these words, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. It has been remarked that we have in these two verses the two great ministries of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry of his atoning sacrifice, where he became the propitiation for the sins of the whole world without any partiality whatever. We have seen that it was necessary that a profound measure should be taken if repentant sinners are to be forgiven and reconciled to God. There was the necessity of a substituted measure for the punishment of sinners in the government of God. If God proposes to forgive sinners freely by His grace, out of His abundant heart of love, something must take the place of the punishment of sinners that shall guarantee and uphold the future conduct in the government of God. The atonement of Christ profoundly does this. And it was necessary, as we have seen, that the true nature of God in intense hatred toward sin should be revealed unto man so that man should understand something of God's tremendous antagonism toward all sin and of his inner holiness of being. Then it was necessary that sinners themselves should have some measure that should humble them to the point where God could afford to bless them without their becoming proud over it. Thus we have seen that the Lord Jesus Christ gloriously fulfilled these requirements. And now it is possible for God to invite all men to repent of sin and embrace the gospel. And thus the invitation goes out with all the compassion of the great God. But in verse 1 of this chapter, we have another tremendous ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he has been raised from the dead by the power of God. He lived and manifested himself to men for a short period of time. And then after 50 days, he ascended into heaven. And now the scripture tells us he is the advocate of the true children of God before the throne of God. This word advocate is very interesting. It means one who is called to someone's aid, a helper, an intercessor, and so the Lord Jesus Christ bears upon his heart as the great advocate and high priest of the true Christian the needs and the burdens and the cares and the weaknesses of those whom he represents. It is revealed in the epistle to the Hebrews in a particular way concerning the advocacy and high priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, verses 14 to 17, we read these profound words. Forasmuch then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, 
that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So here we have the profound matter of the incarnation of the second person of the glorious Trinity into a human likeness who tabernacled among us as the Apostle John wrote in his first chapter of the Gospel. He took part of our weakness. He lived among us, was subject to our temptations. He overcame gloriously every single temptation so no one could accuse him of sin. And so in order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest, this scripture tells us he submitted himself to these profound measures. In chapter 5, verse 1, we read, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Then in verse 2, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. So if the Lord Jesus was to be our great high priest, he had to go through this tremendous period of experience and be moved with deeper compassion than ever before so that he might be sympathetic in a profound way then in verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. So we have a chapter from the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Many times we are told how he prayed, sometimes all night, in great burden of heart and life. And here we are told about the strong crying and tears. How deeply was the Lord Jesus Christ moved with the needs of men. Then in chapter 4, verse 15 of this epistle of the Hebrews, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Isn't it remarkable that the great personage of the Lord Jesus Christ is touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses. And he was tempted in all points, we are told, yet without submitting to one error of life. So the Lord Jesus has been qualified to be our great high priest. In verse 8 of chapter 5, we read, Though he were a son, Yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. What a profound description this is of the experiences of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 9 and verse 12 we read, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, 
having obtained eternal redemption for us. This pictures the Lord Jesus in his high priesthood as presenting the results of his atoning death before the throne of God in our behalf. And thus it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. We read in the last part of this chapter, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself once for the sins of the whole world. Again in verses 24 to 6 of this ninth chapter of Hebrews. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. The us, of course, refers to all who have truly repented of their sins and have by the movements of the Holy Spirit been born into the glorious experience of forgiveness and regeneration and having experienced the mercy of God through faith in the atoning death of Christ, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now listen to this. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Thus we see the profound qualification of the Lord Jesus Christ to be our high priest. It is indeed moving to think that he would condescend to have such a heart interest in we mere mortals. Now the Apostle John writes in his second chapter of his first epistle, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. Isn't it remarkable as we come to these simple descriptions of the New Testament that there is portrayed a Christianity that has power, that has relationship with God, that has victory, that has a glorious deliverance from the power of sin. And then we read on, and if any man sin, or if any man should sin, we do not read the word when any man sins. Evidently, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is endued with such power that men can be delivered from their sins by the grace of God. Now, we are not saying that we deliver ourselves from the power of sin, but we are saying that we as Christians have a real agency in our deliverance. Even as the apostle Peter said that we were delivered by the power of God through faith. So it is our faith in looking to the gracious provisions of salvation that is the key to deliverance. And it is not necessary that we should go on in sin, as the various passages of the New Testament abundantly testify. But if any man should sin, that leads to a despondency to the true heart of the child of God who has been humbled before the Lord and has experienced the gracious manifestation of the mercy of God. When sin becomes his portion, he is driven to despondency and needs an advocate. And that's what this verse promises. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And then in this same fourth chapter 
of the epistle to the Hebrews, we have this invitation. Verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. And in verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It should be remarked in passing that the same word advocate is used in reference to the Holy Spirit's bestowal in the hearts of the true Christians in this glorious age of grace. So within the heart of the believer, the truly reconciled child of God, the Holy Spirit abides as the inner advocate and before the throne of God, the resurrected and glorified Christ is our heavenly advocate. Thus with these two profound advocates, members of the glorious Trinity, it is certainly no wonder that God can expect us to find deliverance from sin. How we pray that we may have this glorious experience. Blessed Heavenly Father, we surely praise Thee with our whole hearts for these provisions and pray that we may understand more of their wonderful reality and that many may find Thy glorious salvation this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.